Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we're going to preview a two-day dramatic arts festival taking place this weekend in downtown Milledgeville. We'll also talk about the local theater company putting it all together. Joining me in the studio today to talk about Edge Fest 2017 in Birdhouse Theater is Jimmy Holder. Jimmy Holder, welcome to Georgia College Connections. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you for giving me a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jimmy, Edge Fest will take place Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th at the Black Box Theater in downtown Milledgeville. But, of course, uh, you're at the helm of a new theater company. Well, not new, new, but uh, probably new to some of our radio audience members. And so I want to talk a little bit about the dramatic arts first and then talk about Edge Fest. Okay. And so I want to just start off at y'all's mission statement or manifesto, if you may. Sure. In that document, you say that the Birdhouse Theater seeks to continually provide a theater experience that creates culture, motivation, engagement, economic development, intelligence, and growth of a community. How does a local theater, a dramatic arts institution, how do they accomplish all those things? That's a lot of things to accomplish, isn't it? In Um, addition to uh, actually (laughs) the dramatic arts themselves. Exactly. Uh, I mean, just to give you a little bit of background, I have a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Acting, and I have a Master's of Fine Arts in Script Writing. My wife, Iona Holder, also has a BA in theater and as well as an MPA in public administration and an MFA in playwriting. So, so y'all are used to b- b- bringing all these things together. Right. So that this this kind of crazy concept that a, a theater can do all those things really isn't that far-fetched when you kind of start scrutinizing how things come together and what importance they bring. And I'll kind of work in reverse. I mean, one of the things that people don't associate theater with is economic development. But theater has proven time and time and time again that it gives people a sense of purpose. It gives them a sense of culture, which then breeds other things. Just in a, a kind of a cheap example of that is if you're going to a night of theater, you're usually going to go to dinner and you usually may have a drink before the show. If you've enjoyed the show or you're enjoying the company of whom you went to the show with, that usually – it means after the show going to maybe have a, another aperitif or a dessert. So the idea that the theater is what brought you to this location but allowed you to experience the rest of that community. And you can kind of go in much further depth of how that works, but theater and live cultural experiences are at the heart of what makes economic development tick. It's a big part of it. And another theory behind that has to do with that you know, the technology age, we're so glued to our phones and to our computers and to our TVs that the live experience has actually become more important than ever before. And a great example of that is is something like a Super Bowl, right? People now are willing to pay thousands of dollars to be in that one arena at that particular time so they can experience it live with everyone together. And it's that sense of community of sharing that experience with people you don't know, but you're, you're all together for the same common purpose that gives the reward 
that's kind of unparalleled and people are more thirsty for it now, we believe, than, than ever before. So even something as small as a, as a theater in Milledgeville, Georgia, that may only have 60 to 100 people in, in the audience, it's still a, a common group of people sharing an experience together. So that's how that engagement comes into it and creates culture, creates environment, creates economic development, and how it grows a community. So it's kind of a far-fetched, but when you really kind of break it down, that's exactly what I think our job as, as theater artist is. As Shakespeare said, you know, hold a, a mirror up to nature. Um, that's what we're supposed to do, but we're supposed to do in a way that helps us grow. What's the point of it if it just stays on the entertainment surface value, which has its value, but how can you push that a little bit further? Does that make any sense? <laughs> You know, you had me on parts of it. Uh, there are other parts where, you know, when you start bringing in quotes and everything, I have to think about the context <laughs> around the quotes. So my mind tends to wander just a little bit. You know, but at, at, from the work that I know you to have done in our community, sure. it seems like there are many aspects in which uh, you are all about uh, building community in different ways. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, y'all, of course, um, uh, are owners of the Blackbird Coffee, which uh, you know, engenders a community around itself. Also, um, in Milledgeville Motion with the... Um, I always struggle the, to name the Deep, the Deep Roots, Roots Festival. Festival sure. Why did you want or see a need to do that with the dramatic arts amongst all the other things that uh, you're involved in? Honestly, I don't think the motivation is any different. Deep Roots Festival to me was that you can have an, a, a big community event. And it's again, it's about it being being able to experience the people in your community together as a common purpose, a reason to get you out of the house and do something live face to face. And the same with the coffee experience. Of course, it, it's a retail coffee shop, so there's a commerce end that's involved in it. But at the end of the day, it's also a refuge for a lot of people just to, to kind of be themselves and experience other people in a common place. And theater does that same thing, but it because there's an agreement when you give that ticket to walk into the door – and then you're, you know, you're behind these closed doors for an hour or two. There's this agreement that you're saying, all right, I'm willing to experience this and not even know really what it is. So the license there allows you to attempt to not necessarily challenge, but challenge people's way of thinking to maybe remind somebody of, of what they love about themselves. They love about their family, love about their life so they can leave there feeling like a, a more whole or more put together person. That's the goal. I'm not saying we have ever accomplished that ever, but I think that's why it's important. And I think they're all related. Um, you know, f festivals in general are just a great thing for community to do. And there's one part of your last answer that I want to leave this uh, portion of the interview on. And you said on the other side of that ticket, there's inviting them to experience where they might not know yeah. what's about to happen. Sure. And I assume with the Edge Fest, you might not know what's about to happen as y'all start each year. Can you talk about whether that's exciting, whether it's uh, troublesome to you as a person who's trying to promote these things in a community? I think uh, that's a great question. You have to go into it knowing that you're not in control of, of where it's headed. You know you're on this boat, but you're not exactly sure where what island it's going to land on. So this year we had 136 submittals, and we had to narrow it down to eight plays. And I uh, hopefully we'll be able to discuss kind of how that happens. But once you start seeing these finalists trickling in, and there's kind of like there's not even necessarily a theme, but there's a there's a cohesiveness in the different kinds of stories they're telling, and then you have the job of putting them in an order where that cohesiveness can even be even more enhanced. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the question was about, you know, sometimes, I mean, I imagine there is a fear that you're putting that call for entries out that what's going to come back 
is not going to be good. What what do you do at that point? Do you cancel the festival this year, or you know, or even worse, you know, sometimes I, I find myself on this radio show in that sense where you you feel like you're going out just to the edge, and that line is always blurry. <laughs> sure. And you don't know when you're going to go over that line, and you definitely can't put yourself in the mind of your audience members all the time and sure. wonder. And, you know, sometimes you want to go boldly forth right. and just cross over that line completely, yeah. but you don't know what the repercussions will be. Yeah, there's a letter from Agnes DeMille to Martha Graham that's kind of famous, but there's a line in this letter where she says, you know, it's not your job to even decide how good it is. The job is to keep the channel open. So a lot of times I try to remove myself from this judgment of, is this is this really what I want to be doing? Is this is this good enough for us to be marketing? Is this good enough to invite people to come experience? Is this good enough to charge money for? And I I think that answer is is individualized. It's whatever every single person in that room will walk out of there with a completely different experience. So it's it's tough to say that it is a that works or it doesn't work. But it is certainly scary re, when you start receiving your uh, submittals from people. And you know if your first few submittals aren't as strong as what you're looking for in a, in a playwriting contest, it can get a little concerning. That's true. Well, we're going to take a short break right now and actually get to that process of figuring out what you're presenting at EdgeFest, uh, not just this year, um, but any year. But we're going to do that after this short break. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're talking about EdgeFest 2017, which will take place Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th at the Black Box Theater in downtown Milledgeville. Joining me in the studio today to talk about it is one of the minds behind the Birdhouse Theater is Jimmy Holder. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're previewing EdgeFest, which is going to take place this weekend at the Black Box Theater. It's going to be in production on Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th. Here today to talk all about it is Jimmy Holder, one of the principals of Birdhouse Theater. Now, in that last segment, we were talking about kind of the competitive nature of EdgeFest. And I just wanted to ask more along that same line of questions and you know, talk to you about how do you go about uh, starting a festival like this? Uh, remind me, how many years have y'all been in production on this? this? This is our second year. But as both playwrights, my wife and I, Iona and I, the playwriting world is kind of a different world from most literary areas where the the focus usually in poetry or, or fiction, creative nonfiction. Publication is what they're seeking. Now, of course, playwrights would love to be published, 
but it's really the production that they want, right? These these plays don't live until they are produced, till they are live. They're on their feet, and there's an audience in front of them. So the competition element is nothing new. We certainly didn't invent that. In fact, playwriting competitions and contests over the last 20 years have really started to just flourish and blossom. And it's a great way, particularly with 10-minute plays, because in in this, you know, in in these eight plays that are each 10 minutes apiece, as an audience member, you get to witness eight different playwrights' stories and plays. But we also get to produce eight playwrights at the same time. So it's kind of a win-win. I hope that answers your question. Well, it does. And, uh, but one of the things that I noticed from perusing the website and, again, looking at that mission statement is that y'all, it seems to me, and I could be wrong on this, sure. uh, try to um, have these plays be within a context of the society and what's going on in a society. With that idea in mind, I wonder, do you give any guidance to the playwrights when you start that first uh, call for submissions? Or and then um, you... Sure. No, actually not at all. We, we don't have any type of uh, thematic requirement. We don't have any type of story requirement. We don't even have genre requirement where we prefer comedy over this or horror over this. There's kind of a blank slate and, and all things are accepted. We do receive all things, which is amazing. That's the great thing. And creating a festival, I think it's great if you can actually kind of have a hodgepodge of styles and genres kind of mixed together. But there is a format for the 10-minute play. So there already is kind of like a, a limitation of what a 10-minute play can do, much like a sonnet has a very particular structure. There's a pretty much a particular structure that a 10-minute play can do. But there's a lot you can do in 10 minutes. So the idea that you can get different themes and different genres from different kinds of people is wonderful. I personally don't know that or what reflects that maybe we're looking for a particular thing. You know, one on the website you saw that reflect that, I would like to know just because I think it's interesting that that's what you pulled from it and could maybe help us in the future. Well, I think it's some of those words like we talked about earlier, engagement, motivation, um, intelligence, growth. I think that, you know, all of those aspects lead to uh, looking at the world around you Mm. and, you know, wondering how these works of art interact with the different things that humanity is dealing with right now. Maybe perhaps this is just uh, completely inside of my own mind where we are in such a very much uh, a present right now. And maybe perhaps I myself think that the art should reflect what's going on. I think. What you've just said is exactly correct. I think as playwrights, that's always been the job, right? I mean, that that's always been to reflect society. It's always been to engage humanity. I think that's been the job since BC, especially if you look at some of the Greek plays and what they were trying to tackle there regarding political things they were going through. So I don't think any of that's new. I guess it's just an assumption that I always make that, no, that is what theater is. And certainly it can be challenged and people have challenged that structure. But no, that is the job. I mean, it... it that's the role of the playwright. That's that's why we're doing this, is that whole idea of, of reflecting and, and engaging humanity. And with that in mind, you talked earlier about getting 130 submissions. Mm-hmm. You know, I imagine that there's some pretty cut and dry decisions there. But then, you know, as you get down to your finalists, which I think was 20, a list of 25 this Correct. year, then you have to whittle that down to the eight right. the festival. How do you go about you know, making those decisions? It's, it's tough. I mean, we, last year we chose seven, and this year we just couldn't choose seven. That's why we're doing eight this year. 
And last year we narrowed it down to, I think, 18. And this year we, we had to narrow it down to, we called it a top 25, but I think we actually had 27. Like we couldn't actually narrow it down. Yeah, it's tough. And even getting down to the top 25 is hard. Sure, there are a few plays in there you're like, okay, this is, this is someone who's inexperienced and needs to keep writing. But the majority of them are accomplished playwrights that, that are offering something that's great and could be maybe produced in a different kind of festival. But we tend to, especially Iona, who's the one that narrowed them all down to the to the top 25, she's really about the story. It, it, is there a beginning, a middle, and end? Do we see some type of change at the end? Does something actually happen that on this 10-minute journey? Because uh, I think it's really easy, especially in the 10-minute format, to kind of just ex- display a conversation where there's not much action and there's not much change and there's not any catharsis. Uh, so I think those are the things you'll see and that is maybe the theme that that we don't exactly intend to do, but that is the intention is there is a change, a catharsis. Something happens in the end that, that makes this journey worth it of the 10 minutes. Well, I, I thought right now we're just about out of time in this segment, but we'll, of course, continue this in the next. Let's talk about some of the plays that will be presented. Yeah. So, and, I mean, the great thing is also because we do blind submissions. So we don't actually know who any of these people are when we're reading. So when we when we choose the final eight and then we see who the, the writers are, uh, it's always fascinating to see who we actually chose and where on the scale that we are. I mean, if we're about to close out, I, I think a good one to, to for this people's seg- appetite, yeah, on. is uh, you know Dave Hansen. He wrote Cafe Diatomique, which is a hilarious play. It is absolutely hysterical. But then when you look at his bio, which we did not know as we're selecting it, he's worked with Amy Schumer. He's worked on Chelsea lately. He's part of the Detour. He's part of the feature film Trainwreck. His writing credits to just go on and on and on. And he's he's published many plays as well as worked in a lot of television and film as well as improvisation stand-up comedy and that's something we did not know and then you see that we've selected and you're like yes we are on the right track you know these are we we chose a good one here so his dave hansen's cafe diatomique is an amazing amazing play is a playwright out of la and we're looking forward to that being one of the eight that we get to see and just uh, as a last question before we go into this break, how does that feel when you finally uh, take the blinders off and see that as a, as a festival organizer that you're actually getting this kind of talent in your second year? It's flattering. I mean, it's neat. But also from the playwriting point of view, we know that sometimes you just want to see your play produced. So no matter what you know, stature you're at regarding uh, your, your, how well you're received and how much you're published, at the end of the day, sometimes you just want to see your show again or have your show produced again. So we also understand that. But besides getting like the people that are already successful and have a name for themselves and you know, clearly somebody we could market, I love the opposite. I love the playwright who had yet to actually win a contest. I like the playwright who's, you know, maybe final in a few and is just new at this four or five years in. And you get to break the news that they they won one of the contests and to see how they react uh, in their reaction with us, but also on their social media page. I finally did it. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's it's neat. It's neat to encourage and nurture um, playwriting. It's important to us. Well, we are going to take that short break right now. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're previewing Edge Fest, which will take place Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th at the Black Box Theater in downtown Milledgeville. I'm joined today in the studio by Jimmy Holder. He's one of the minds behind the Birdhouse Theater. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. 
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we're talking about some of the dramatic works that are going to be presented at EdgeFest, which takes place this Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th at the Black Box Theater in downtown Milledgeville. In the studio to talk about the submissions in the festival itself is Jimmy Holder of Birdhouse Theater. Of course, we just left that last segment talking about some of the plays. I thought we'd stay right there just to give our audience that motivation to get out and join the Edge Fest this week. So, please, Jimmy, what's next? Well, we talked about Café Diatomique, which is a hilarious play. There are obviously seven more, and I, I don't even know where to begin, but another playwright who actually was one of our finalists last year. And it's again, it's interesting when you do this blind. Clearly, this particular playwright we like. His name is Dan Borngasser, and uh, the play this year is The Gospel According to Bowser, which is basically told by the point of view of a dog who obviously looks up to his owner as his quote-unquote god. And the, the play is really <laughs> between a, a dog, a cat, and a rat, but it kind of explores a philosophical level regarding humans that I don't know that you could do with humans. It almost takes these dogs and cats and rats to get us there. It's a great short play. Uh, but, you know, some somebody like Dan, his work's been produced in New York, uh, Los Angeles, Canada, Mexico, India, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Milledgeville. And again, I think this kind of hits home when you talk about bringing culture and engagement and, and development we're giving a platform for locals to be have access to some of this stuff that only maybe is accessible in large cities or in other countries. And to be able to have someone like him and be the, have the permission to do his play is, I think, is just a gift. I think it's great that we get to, to do that. But he's not the only one. Marilyn Millstone wrote Compass Mentis, which is another funny play regarding this older couple who intentionally tries to um, act like they're not mentally sound so their children will stop making decisions for them. But, you know, her work has been produced as well all, all over the United States. And if I could read her bio, it would, it would probably take about 10 minutes. She's an award-winning playwright. And it's just, again, it, the idea that we get to have access to her work and be able to do it in Milledgeville, Georgia, is an accomplishment, I think, for, for Edge Fest and Birdhouse Theater. And that draws a question for me. What type of interaction do you have with the playwrights after they've submitted the work and it's been selected, are they hands-on with the production or is it, are they hands-off uh, by design or just uh, by fate? That's a great question. Usually in the professional world, the relationship between the right and the director may consist of a few phone calls just to confirm that we're both kind of on the same path. But the hard part about being a player is stepping back and saying, OK, I have to put my trust in this director and these actors so there's not a ton of interaction during the actual process. It's usually once it's all done where that relationship might blossom a little more. But then again, some of the newer playwrights, they typically have more questions. They want to know what all is going on. They might even want to come to some of the rehearsals, which we are wide open to. Now, of course, some of these, a lot of these playwrights live all over the United States, so they don't all come and attend. Uh, but some of them do. And that's, you know, one of our playwrights this year is from Chicago and he is coming down. One of our playwrights is from New York City and, and she is coming down. So 
that's that's also great to have access to them at the festival. And while that's great for the director, it's it's really great for the actors who've spent and and worked hard on on this person's piece, but also that the audience gets to have access to to the playwright. Last year, one of the playwrights came to our after party for the announcements of the awards and just mingled with with you know the hundred or so people there. And I still hear people talk about how great that he came and and was a part of the event. And uh, so let's talk some more about some of the other productions that will be taking place. Sure. The person coming from Chicago is uh, Will Morris's Priority Shipping. And this is actually his first play that has won any awards. And it's an interesting it's an interesting piece because it I don't want to give anything away, but it's about a homosexual couple who is very upset about the way their father, uh, one of their fathers, treated them regarding their wedding. And then there's a big reveal that, it wasn't what it appeared, and it's kind of the assumptions we can easily make about people. When we feel like we're in a divisive world, how quick we can take a side in a divisive world, and how sometimes we're not always correct in those assumptions. And it's really smart. It's a sharp piece that kind of sucker punches you. And to know that this was his, you know, the first play to kind of get through or gain any traction is is a huge accomplishment for him. And he's he's like in his mid, you know, he's in his mid twenties. It's a great piece. And then we have Jose Torres and Larry Nadler. This is the first time we've had a play, I think even submitted, that was actually written. It was co-written. It was written by two people. This was going to be another kind of a crowd pleaser. It's called Never Too Old. It's got six actors in it. Everybody in it is over the age of 60. And they're just kind of reflecting on, basically, they're commenting a lot on their age. And But, you know, Viagra comes into play and how the different people react to this. It, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> and to go back into a nuts and bolts question, we've talked about this most recent play having, shall we say, a cast that is over the age of 60. Sure. Earlier you were talking about it sounded like a cast that consists of a dog, a uh, cat, and a rabbit. Yes. Uh, I may have gotten that wrong. A, a uh, rat. A, a, <laughs> a cat, a, rat. a dog, and a rat. Yes. Um, you know, uh, how are these plays produced? Who are the actors in them? Great, great question. So... Iona Holder, whose playwriting name is Iona Sun, she directs all eight of the plays and casts all the plays. All of the talent this year is is local. So we have doctors and professors from the college. We have a lot of people just out of the community. The high school direct, the public high school director is actually in one of them. Some of the high school students are in some of them. And we have an age range, I think, this year, somewhere between like 75 and, and 17. So it's neat because it's just truly a community theater experience that gets to be a part of this. And so the production process is, I mean, they're all in rehearsal now. Obviously, because each play is a 10-minute play, they don't get the 15 to 20 rehearsals that a full-length play would, but they are rigorously working. And we have a great stage manager who just graduated from Georgia College. And, you know, we're running the show, doing the rehearsals right now. And we have uh, Tech rehearsal on Thursday next week. And we'll be, we'll be ready to roll on Friday. Hopefully, we'll be ready to roll on Friday. And do these have the same you know, production value as any uh, production that you'd expect to see with like lighting design, costuming and, and that? Or is it a stripped down? Uh, it's, a, it's a little stripped down. And some of that comes from play. Again, the 10 minute play format, you don't want to ask for a lot of set changes and a lot of lighting and technical things. I teach playwriting at Georgia College. And one of the things I say is that everything has to fit in a Honda fit. Right. So if the production value can fit in the back of a Honda fit, then you're good. But once you start asking for these elaborate things, production is probably a lot less likely because we have eight of them. So you can't have eight different sets and eight different huge lighting things. And But the uh, one of the plays, Buster and Johnny, uh, which we didn't talk about by Jim Vajota, who's also from Hollywood and 
has received the uh, Jack Nicholson Award for Excellence in Screenwriting. His play has a dragon in it, you know, and we're still like, how are we how are we going to make this happen? So to answer your question, it is a little stripped down. You won't see as um, maybe as realistic sets regarding walls and, and windows and, and stuff like that. So it is clearly still in the black box. But at the same time, we want to do enough to enhance it with costumes, with set pieces, but it'll still take a little bit of your suspension of disbelief to buy into each one. When I constantly think with media about the interplay between the actual piece and the audience member's imagination, how does that work out in drama? That's the one thing that is necessary for theater to work is that the audience has to do this buy-in. They have to suspend their disbelief of what is real and what's not real because it's clear as a bell, right? We're in a theater. We're watching people act. So... And in a theater, that's even more noticeable than it is on TV and film because when you're in the theater, you can actually see the light grid and you can see the people waiting in the wings or so forth and so on. The buy-in is the biggest part and, and the audience imagination, their investment is, is what makes it work. And this weird thing is it's kind of up to them. It's, it's interesting to watch because obviously we've been doing theater for a long time, but it's interesting to watch people that will buy the ticket and come in and they don't seem to care or be paying attention. And I'm always like, why, why are they here? And then when it ends, they'll be the first to tell you, I was really taken by this first piece and couldn't stop thinking about it for the rest of the festival. And so this one piece took them out of it you know, for the, rest, for the last 60, 70 minutes. And I guess that's a good thing. And again, it goes back to some of those original questions in the mission. You know, can, you, can you nudge them just a little bit intellectually or even emotionally? But the, yeah, I mean, that's the gig. You know, you got you to get the audience to buy in. And it, it is kind of their job to say, hey, yeah, I'm willing to come in and use my imagination and detach myself from my world to go into this world, which I think is why it's also more necessary now than ever before. You know, we just had the Milledgeville Film Festival in town just a few weeks ago. Absolutely. And one of the questions I asked each of the filmmakers that we had the opportunity to talk to is, what are you watching when you're in there? As an organizer of this festival, you know, are you watching the plays? Are you watching the audience? Are you watching the actors? What's, what's going on for you? From my role in this particular one is, is a little different than if I was just a spectator going to another playwriting festival. I would usually be listening to the script because the, the words are usually what's most important and, and how riveting the acting is. I think for my wife, she's going to be listening to the words, but also want to see how well the directing is done. But I do find myself in most of these situations where we're producing plays, I'm watching the audience. Because again, it goes back to what you were just asking before. It's like, it's for the audience. The whole thing is existing for the sake of having a live audience and people sharing this experience together. So you kind of need to check in to see if you're doing your job or not. I go in between being completely engaged in a riveting moment, but also sometimes in the most riveting moment, I'll find myself kind of trying to look to the left or the right and see how people are responding to that. And so I've been trying to count in my head. I don't think I've been doing a good job. I think we have two more plays to look at. We, Is there anyone that we missed at this point? We I briefly mentioned uh, Buster and Johnny, Compass Mentas we discussed. Oh, Character Assassination, which I'm actually in with Dr. Steve Elliott Gower from uh, George College. It's a great little mystery piece written by Robert O'Connell. Uh, his, he goes by Bob. It's a fun play. He's from Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is someone who doesn't have a ton uh, of plays behind his belt. This is another one that was really exciting to to choose it and then look where he's coming from. And this is a big opportunity for him. And we're 
we're thrilled about his play, and we're, we're looking forward to that. And I think we covered Gospel According to Bowser, and we did. And, you know, the only one we haven't talked about is Barra Swain's Turn, 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 which, again, she's another one that won last year, and we end up selecting another one of her plays. But she is she's another one of those that it, there's not a theater in New York City that she hasn't been involved with, it, it seems like, including the Samuel French Oob Festival, which is probably, and I say Oob, Samuel French Oob Festival, that's the off-off-Broadway festival. It's probably the most premier short play festival in the United States. So if your work can get into Oob and be selected as one of their top 30, it's a huge accomplishment. And that usually comes with publication by Samuel French as well. And Barra is an, an amazing playwright. And she actually won last year. She won the Judges Award and the Audience Choice Award. She kind of swept the whole thing. But it's great to have her back as well. And now that you've mentioned that two years in a row, y'all have selected some of the same folks. Do you consider opening up the judges' circle to, yeah, to try no. to make sure that uh, there's not three Pete? That's that's correct. We have discussed that. In fact, the interesting thing is, last year we had different people selecting, and this year, the you know Iona selected most of them, but, but by her selecting, she selected some of the same winners that our other selectors from last year selected. So yeah, we'll we'll probably have to find a way to open that up. But at the same time. Playwrights all the time kind of find a niche in certain areas where their work really registers. And I'm also a big fan of, of music, but you find that with bands. Like, you know, we might have a hard time in Georgia, but man, when we go to Florida, we really kill it. And it's we're playing the same music. It's just different areas and different cultures respond to work a little differently. Well, we're going to take a short break right now. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're previewing Edge Fest, which will take place Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th at the Black Box Theater in downtown Milledgeville. I'm joined today in the studio by Jimmy Holder. He's one of the minds behind the Birdhouse Theater. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're previewing Edge Fest, which is going to take place this weekend at the Black Box Theater. It's going to be in production on Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th. Here today to talk all about it is Jimmy Holder, one of the principals of Birdhouse Theater. Well, Jimmy, I was wondering if there's anyone that helped make EdgeFest possible uh, this year or each year uh, that you'd like to just um, give a shout out to, use this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, for. I mean, there's, I, I should have brought my list. I mean, there's literally hundreds of people that, that this couldn't happen uh, without, uh, most importantly, a lot of the actors that, that are involved. I mean, this is a, it's a month-long commitment. It's a big engagement. It is on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so all the artists involved is such a huge part. 
Uh, additionally, this could not happen without the help from Georgia College's Department of Theater and Dance. Um, Karen Berman has been gracious enough to, to share the space with us and uh, kind of be a co-sponsor of the event for the second year in a row. So to, again, have a small theater that gets to partner with a large uh, academic theater, university theater, is, a, is an advantage to us and, and such a plus to a lot of the people that come from out of state and the playwrights that see that this is being produced in a, in a university setting. So uh, absolutely. Georgia College Department of Theater and Dance and Dr. Karen Berman. So I'm glad I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> well, I have another question. I'm just interested. Like you've been a, a military resident for uh, for a while now. I assume mm-hmm. you may be a native for um, uh, I'm not sure of your background, but uh, is it exciting to be putting on a festival like this in um, for this town, a landmark uh, place like the Campus Theater? To get you see oh. um, see those words up on, on the marquee. <laughs> yeah, on today. the marquee, absolutely. So I, I moved here in two thousand one, so I'm not I'm not a native. Uh, and some of the selfish reasons for pursuing theater and for festivals is that I those are some of the things I missed in the cities that I used to live in. Uh, and now to have these things flourishing that I have a hand in, and a lot of the things that are flourishing I don't have a hand in. Yeah, it's it's so rewarding, and to see the 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 revitalization of of the campus black body. I mean, I remember when it was. Didn't look like that, uh, you know, not, what was that, 10, 12 years ago. It it, it, it didn't look like that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of it. And I love that that marquee lights up. And it, it just the film festival was another example when the Millageville Film Festival was in town. Is anytime it, the sun has gone down and that marquee is on and you see the event that's posted, um, there's just a feeling that I get inside that, that, that says vibrancy, that says community, that says culture. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and you've worked uh, towards many of these things. Uh, how does it feel to see um, the transformation that Milledgeville is, is undergoing uh, currently? Because uh, when you say 2001, I imagine things look a lot different downtown uh, when you got here. Ab- absolutely. And, and can you talk about just your um, desire to see that happen and what uh, you know, it, it feels like to be living in a community that you wanted to see uh, flourish the way that it has? Yeah, and there's... There's so many people in Milledgeville that that have similar visions. Uh, it's it's a journey that there so many people are, are on together. But I to see the enrich the increase uh, in all kinds of arts uh, in Milledgeville has been extremely rewarding for me. Uh, I mean, from the time when we started Deep Roots Festival in, in 2004. Uh, just to see how the music scene in Milledgeville has changed, not because of Deep Roots Festival, but Deep Roots Festival helped that push, right? And uh, as well as the development of more of the theaters that are going on in Milledgeville. I mean, we have a yoga studio in Milledgeville now. And uh, as cliche as that may seem, that's important because that's a different kind of group of people that are participating in a, a thriving city. And it's it's all connected to me, but... Um, yeah, it's changed. It's changed a lot. Uh, I mean, I remember when we first opened Blackbird Coffee. One of the <laughs> uh, the com- the comment we got often was, "This doesn't taste like the cappuccino I get at the gas station." Um, and because there was a there was a lack of knowledge from in this area of what a real cappuccino is, and that's not a bad thing. The, hey, I've had many a cappuccino gas gas station cappuccinos, but they're completely different. Um, so to see how we're 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 growing, and our culture is growing, and our arts are growing. Um, I'm also a huge sports buff, but so to be able to to go watch something at GMC or at Georgia College uh, athletically, and then in the evening with something theatrical or musically, I it's a win win for me. 
As we're leaving now talking about the different playwrights who will be presented in their works that will be in Edge Fest, I'm wondering, what do you hope that the audience takes away? Oh, that's the, that's the big question. I want them to leave feeling that they experienced something that was unique to their town. I want them to feel that they were somehow enriched by the playwrights that were chosen. I want them to leave loving the arts more than maybe they when, when they walked in. You know, last year we did some some giveaways on a, a radio station here in, in Milledgeville, and I was I was kind of surprised a how many people called in to win these tickets. I mean, play festivals aren't always the you know the big <laughs> it's not always the big hot draw in a town, and to see some of these people that attended and said I've never come to a play before in my life, or I, I didn't really know what to expect, and this was this was absolutely great. That's what it is. I mean, I again it goes back to that audience need or, or want to participate in something with other people without phones in their hand or without a screen in their face. And I, I think it's important. And that's, I guess that's really ultimately my goal is that they just leave it like they experience something together with other people that they couldn't have done from their sofa or their office chair. Do you remember that moment in your life when you hadn't been to a play before or you hadn't had a work like that really pull you in? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first thing ever that struck me is my older brother was in a band. I was 12 and it was a talent show. It was him and two of his friends were in a talent show. And the lead singer of that show was also an actor there at the high school. And at that talent show, I saw this this guy who I'd been looking up to just because he's a lead singer in my brother's band. They kill it. I mean, they did their version of Hey Jude by Beatles and they had everybody standing up and dancing and singing. And that, that was strike one for me where I was like, this is amazing. Look at the, how happy and engaged everybody is. And then later that same evening, Alberto, who was the lead singer, did some type of performance model. And honestly, I don't even remember. I should contact him and find what it was. And I was absolutely just enthralled and riveted. And I said, this is, yes, I want to do this. How does he do, I want to do that. So it was probably around 10 or 12, I think is about what, where I knew that experience was something I wanted to continue to be a part of my life. Now, earlier in the conversation, you talked about some of the, I, I assume it was a delighted surprise that you had about how people kind of latched onto the idea of EdgeFest in its first year. That goes back to, you know, uh, in Milledgeville, of course, got the two universities here. There's a, a level of culture that you wouldn't expect in a town of this sure. size. But what did you see that was missing, that a hole that you wanted to fill with both a birdhouse theater and also EdgeFest? Yeah, and I, I think – I don't know if this was conversation before we even started this interview. I mean we have a, we have a lot of theater here already, right? I mean the, the high school does great work. The military college does great work. Georgia College does great work. And we even have the Millersville players who have consistently done great work. We already have a lot of great theater, and I think the niche that we want to be able to do is something that doesn't necessarily – so academia has rules they kind of have to follow because of the academic umbrella of what they can and can't do. And the Millersville Players' goal is typically something that's – you know that can have a large cast and can get a lot of people in the door, and that is also great as well. Most of our plays will only ever seat 80 to 100 people, so we get to offer something that's more intimate and doesn't necessarily have to be as commercially viable to succeed because, you know, trying to get 80 people in a seat it seats is a lot easier than trying to get, you know, four to 800 people in seats. So I think that's something – it's kind of where we're coming from, and that also lends itself to what kind of material we can and can't do. So, again, we don't have to choose material that is – 
as commercially viable or has to be as kind of, I mean, generic is probably the wrong word, but middle of the row, things that aren't. It sounds to me like you're wanting to have the freedom to push boundaries out, redefine the center, as, correct. as they say. Correct. I think having intimate theater and what Birdhouse Theater will do is is be able to live in that space where we don't have to adhere to as much of the rigidity of something that's much larger trying to draw a larger audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Edgefest, but we haven't talked much about Birdhouse Theater. And I was wondering, maybe we'll do them uh, by closing the question. <laughs> what's next for Birdhouse Theater? Yeah, great question. So there's there's actually two great things that are happening. Uh, we produced a show, a one-woman show, earlier in the year, not from Concentrate, which was a, a student Amy Carpenter had written. We produced that show, and it is now now being performed. Uh, she's performing it elsewhere, so she's kind of taken it on the road. So it's great that we were kind of the incubator in the first place for that to develop. And then as well, the first show we ever did under the Birdhouse Theater roof was uh, one of my wife's plays called Reminder. It has just been asked to be part of this Washington and Women's Play Festival in Washington, D.C. So as soon as Edgefest ends, which is on May 27th, we start rehearsals. Uh, we're going to take a day off. <laughs> and on, then on May 30th, we start rehearsals to bring that show to D.C. with Birdhouse Theater. Uh, that'll be June 15th and 16th in Washington, D.C. Well, I know that there are a lot of people hearing that now and be wishing you luck in doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as uh, people may be hearing this, and this may be their first exposure to Birdhouse, it may be the um, exposure that pushes them over the edge. How might people be involved if, if that is their desire? Are you looking for more actors or sure. other people to help you all do what sure. you do? So there's a lot of balls in the air right now regarding the, I mean, we're new at this, but we're in the middle of construction of, of a more permanent space downtown. And once kind of that happens and some of the dust settles from Edgefest and from the Washington show. We don't know that we'll announce a season, but we hope that that's eventually where we go, where it's kind of clear a year at a time what all we want to be doing. And that'll allow people to like, oh, I like that play. I'd love to audition for that play. And, and there will be more outreach from us on how locals can get involved. That's just like a, it's like baby steps for us right now. I mean, starting a theater from from ground zero has been a little harder than I thought, to be honest with you. But it's a, little uh, more <laughs> it's a little more complicated, but we're getting there. So and we need help and we need engagement and we need more people involved. But it's kind of like, where can I let go and make sure this is happening in the way we want it to? And, you know, where, what do we need to hold close to our chest so we can make sure we're heading in the direction we intentionally or originally wanted to head? And as we're getting to the close of our conversation today, I thought we might talk about for the audience members, the nuts and bolts for them, uh, you know, ticket costs, how they sure. might purchase tickets, where they might find out. Absolutely. So the shows are Friday, May 26th and Saturday, May 27th. Both of those shows are identical. So both shows consist of the eight plays that are selected for Edgefest. Tickets are on sale right now at Blackbird Coffee. They're $7 in advance. The day of the event at the door, they would be $10. So I obviously I encourage everyone just go ahead and, and buy them in advance at Blackbird Coffee. It's eight plays. Each one is approximately 10 minutes. So we'll we'll do four plays, take a 10-minute intermission, come back and do the four plays. And so you're looking at a 90 to 95 minutes total of being in the, in the theater. So it's a 90-minute experience. I always like to let people know how long they're in for. That, that's another thing that this world, right before we start something on Netflix, we can say, oh, that's 47 minutes. I can do that. But, you know, so if you know ahead of time, yeah, it's 90 minutes, there'll be an intermission. And both evenings, there'll be some, you know, 
we'll gather at Blackbird Coffee after the show and the actors are usually there and, and the director is there. And if any of the playwrights are in town, we usually just kind of mingle there as a kind of an after party kind of thing. And then Saturday after the show, we'll join at Blackbird as well. But that's where we'll be announcing the, uh, the Judges Award which we didn't really get to speak about much, and the Audience Choice Award. We have a wonderful playwright that's lived in Milledgeville for a long time, David Michelle. He was a professor at Georgia College for years. He was one of my mentors as well as one of my, my wife's. He is the person that selects our judges award. He's an extremely accomplished playwright, and we give him the top eight again, and he chooses the actual who what he deems is the best with a certain criteria. And the Audience Choice Award is great because no matter if you come on Friday or Saturday and after the show is over, you get to vote. Uh, you kind of rank and order your top three. Um, and whatever play wins that Audience Choice Award collectively over both nights uh, also wins a $100 prize. So uh, the Judges Award will receive $100 and the Audience Choice Award will receive $100. All right. Well, Jimmy, just one more call to action to bring people out to Edge Fest yeah. this weekend in downtown yeah. Milledgeville. Yeah, great. Uh, again, thank you for having us uh, us on. It's an, it's important to us to be able to share this with the community. So Edge Fest, Friday, May 26th, Saturday, May 27th, 8 p.m. in the Campus Black Box Theater. If you have any questions about it, certainly visit birdhousetheater.com. Again, that's birdhousetheater.com. It is a, a birdhouse with an R-E. Yeah, it is R-E, but if you do E-R, it goes to the same location. I bought both of them. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it did. Cause I think I, oh yeah. I want to check it because uh, okay. I think I you know went with the ER first okay. yesterday and it brought me to a GoDaddy page. That's so. our page, so I just need to make sure that's linked again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for all questions, go to BirdhouseTheater.com and that's T H E A T R E. Um, and again, tickets are on sale. Blackbird Coffee, and we look forward to seeing you there. Jimmy Holder, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come in and get our audience encouraged and motivated to go out and see Edge Fest this weekend in downtown Milledgeville. Daniel, thank you again for having us. The pleasure has been mine. You've been listening to You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we were talking about Edge Fest, which will take place Friday and Saturday, May 26th and 27th at the Black Box Theater in downtown Milledgeville. Joining me in the studio to talk all about it is Jimmy Holder, one of the minds behind Birdhouse Theater. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Georgia College Connections. And I want you to know, I look forward to convening with you next time.